0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome inside The Jason Smith Show. Actually, my show is The Jason Smith. I got done with it like three (laughs) hours ago. So now I'm here with Doug Gottlieb on The Dan Patrick Show. It just happens that way, Doug. You know, you just just segue right from one show into another. It happens.
2: Uh, It does. But uh, listen, the good thing is your weekend begins in uh, T-minus three hours.
1: Yeah, that's the best part. Counting down. Counting down to it. Uh, You know what I might do? I might start the Aaron Rodgers cleanse. I may, I may go for the 12-day cleanse thing and just take some time off from work because apparently when you do
2: that cleanse, you can't do anything else. So I'm just going to just do that. Uh, yeah, the, the induced vomiting and the uh, excavation at both ends, that uh, yeah, that's I'm, – I'm good. I'm good. I'm oh. good. By the way, how on
1: brand is that for Aaron Rodgers? Like, like when that story came out and he said, yeah, I came off this 12-day cleanse that involves that and, and forced body movements and, and – and, and, Medication up your nose and milk and fluids and juices. I'm like that is completely on. That is the most on brand thing Aaron Rodgers has done in the last year and a half, and that's saying something.
2: Yeah, w- where are you from, Chico, California? No, get out of <laughs> here. No, uh, 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 uh. yes, yeah, so I'm. I'm waiting for the ayahuasca, the ayahuasca cl- uh, treatment as well, um, and and some some of the other stuff. Yeah, like if you were to line up. 50 NFL players and not even provide names and, and just go like which one of these gentlemen is most likely to go on a 12 day cleanse that involves all of these different things. You, I, I would I'm not sure there's another guy who would get that who'd get that pick, um, you know, maybe long haired Tom Brady back, you know, when, when he when he grew the main long, that would be the only other guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would be like the conversation about best wide receiver ever. Like Jerry Rice is at the top and the next guy is like, you know, 10 miles behind. It's like Aaron Rodgers, maybe Tom Brady, but really Aaron Rodgers is the guy. He's like the only one that would do that.
2: Yep, 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 yep. <sighs>
1: A big day in the NBA, and we got more on Aaron Rodgers coming up in about 20 minutes. Going to head to Green Bay and get the latest. Got some boots on the ground there and uh, trying to figure out what is actually next, when we could get the Aaron Rodgers decision. But a big night in the NBA tonight. We got James Harden's debut, which we're going to get to coming up later on in the show. Going to play for the Sixers. Finally, we get to see the ramifications of that trade. But um, with all the LeBron versus Lakers talk that's been going on, it's like that old video game from Sega, right? Bulls versus Blazers, LeBron versus Lakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We saw something last night, Doug, that I know you're really hot on, which is we watched DeMar DeRozan, another incredible night for this guy, another 35-point night. He had 37, 12 in the fourth quarter. Bulls beat the Hawks. He is now the seventh player in NBA history to score 35 points in eight straight games. First time since Harden did it a couple of years ago. He's over 50% from the field. And look, I can't believe he's not getting more MVP talk, but this really, you know, lays into the fact that, hey, uh, the Lakers could have been a hell of a lot better than they were this year had they just made some different decisions.
2: Yeah, the, the story coming out of All-Star Weekend is that, you know, Rich Paul um, and and Rob Polinka. Uh, are are a bit of a tiff, right? And and if it's Rich Paul, then it's LeBron James. And if it's Rich Paul and LeBron James, it's likely Anthony Davis as well. And what they're upset over is that the Lakers wouldn't make a trade deadline move to move off of Russell Westbrook and to bring in John Wall. When John Wall is the solution, you got to ask yourself, what 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 is the problem that John Wall is the solution for? Especially considering... Uh, despite his flaws, Westbrook was a breath of fresh air in D.C., as opposed to John Wall. And the the Rockets value him so much, they're paying him $40 million to not play. Uh, All all that said, yeah, when you watch DeRozan, that's the one that got away. Here's what happened, Jason. The buddy heel trade was going to happen. It was going to happen. Um, And LeBron and Anthony Davis said, ah, we, we want to handpick our third guy. And, you know, among those interviewed was DeMar DeRozan, who's everybody in L.A. knows he's from L.A. Right, Obviously grew up in Compton, went to high school in Compton, went to USC, would have loved to come back and play. And his game, at least in terms of where his points come from and some of the makings of his offensive game, he's not the defender of Kobe, but he's got – the most, probably the most Kobe-like game, he and um, a bigger version would be Kawhi Leonard, right? How they play. A more efficient Kobe on offense. And he thought he was going to get the call. And Anthony Davis and LeBron chose Russell Westbrook, likely because of their long friendship with him. And th- that's a mistake that's brought down the Lakers. It's not the only flaw to the Lakers, right? But Polinka and that, that portion of the decision-making crew should have kept... Caruso and and there's and we can go back into lineage and what you know last year I think a lot of people were let down in the building that they didn't trade for Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline and none of this would have been an issue uh, but that said like how do you say LeBron should be able to make another decision as a general manager when you could have had DeMar DeRozan he wanted to come and he chose Russell Westbrook instead
1: you know, the thing is, is that seeing how this is going to end up playing out for LeBron, I mean, he's going to wind up leaving and he's going to be the villain. And he, he will be he will be someone who comes to Los Angeles, plays for the Lakers, leaves after winning a championship and everybody's and fans are to say, good, go go because he just he's, he basically he's come in let's redo this team we'll do it in my image all right we win the title in 2020 that's awesome but now because of my decisions hey we're really stuck boy you're really stuck we have no first round draft picks until the Bobby Bonilla tra- uh, the situation is over so yeah you know what guys I'm, ge- I'm out I'll see you later good luck I'm gonna go play someplace else with Bronny I'm, I'm gonna put pressure on Cleveland uh, to trade for me or to, re- to sign me in a year and we're gonna play together yeah good luck with everything here guys I'm sorry I blowtorched it now everything is gone but that's that's kind of what it is and uh, lebron I, is he, he's he's never gotten he's never gotten that hug he's never gotten that even from the lakers everything has always been at arms length and now it's lebron and clutch sports versus the lakers and and i i don't know that lebron's ever as you said he's not going to get to make another decision because the lakers are going to say you know what screw this i think there's a reason why we didn't go after john wall we're just not going to do what you say anymore and lebron's got to understand that okay um trying trying to get in and run the Lakers is i'm i'm hitting a, a wall now and now i got to figure out what's next
2: yeah I, I don't i don't think by most people he'll be viewed as a villain i just don't think he's ever really viewed as a as a laker you know he plays for the Lakers but he's not a Laker does it does that make sense right it's like um it's like Austin in, is in Texas but not of Texas very very different than the rest of the state and I think LeBron is is like that. He's maybe the the Chargers are the better analogy. Do, do people understand how hard it is to embrace a LeBron James when and, and I'm not one of these tried and true. I'm not a Laker fan, but for Laker fans, Kobe was became everything. Right. Everything. Even when they were bad, you know, and Kobe was bad. It was still kind of the, the one guy, the last of the Mohicans, if you will. And, of course, he had 60 in his last game. Kobe was everything. Kobe and Shaq era and then Kobe on his own, you know, with, with Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol. And LeBron James was the enemy. He was in the other side of the country. He was building his own kind of super team. He was competing for his own titles. And then LeBron shows up and says, you know, hey, I'm here. And, and you know, LA fans are like, okay. You got to win us something. Well, he won one, but it was in the bubble. It didn't seem to resonate as much. He doesn't feel the love from them. they do not not in love with him. And so when he leaves, I, I don't think, I I honestly don't think he'll be viewed as a villain. I just think it's, the, the relationship is very transactional. And that's one of the things that LeBron has changed about Superstars in the NBA becomes a much more transactional relationship than we're used to in sports, because sports is so much about emotional ties. Our guys, our city is better than your guys in your city, and I think that's how it'll be viewed. Not that he's some villain.
1: Well, I, the the reason the villain is 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 going to happen is because. Watch how are the Lakers gonna get out of this, right? If the Lakers can't get out of this and can't hit hit reset, whether it's you know LeBron is gone and AD is gone and they can say, Okay, hey, we'll trade for Zion, Damian Lillard's gonna come. If they can't remake it and the Lakers get into one of those funks that that last a few seasons, that bitterness towards LeBron is just gonna continue to fester. It's gonna be look at the mess he he left us. No one's gonna blame Rob Palenka, no one's gonna blame the Genie Bus. It's gonna be look at the mess that he that he left us. And not only that. He, As you said, he never was really a Laker. He kind of had that moment when you thought when, when after, after Kobe died and he had that moment and that speech and Mamba out, and I thought, okay, hey, LeBron's becoming a Laker now. But it just never got past that point. Like, he came here, not once did he talk about how Honored he was to be a and being a Lakers a lifelong dream and and look the Lakers have had all these big homegrown players that have that have been these guys forever you know it was it was Kobe and then it was Shaq saying I want to be a Laker I want lost this is what I want I want to be a Laker okay he was. Sha-
2: Shaq wa- Shaq wasn't homegrown now actually no no no, no. Shaq his, his wasn't, path... but he came he came in the
1: middle of his career and he wanted to be a Laker and he won three straight championships you think of him as a Laker you know he came early enough in his career where okay I can embrace you because you're twenty five twenty. 26 years old and you can be one of ours LeBron has, has come as yeah I want the brand I want the Lakers brand I want to jumpstart my my companies here and I want to have a presence in Los Angeles so it's kind of always been that way what he kept he kept Magic Johnson outside his house you know when, when when he was when he was recruited like Magic had to call him up to say hey I'm outside can you come out and talk to I me mean,
2: that's the way it's been for LeBron since he got here well, Magic wasn't allowed to go in until a certain time, I think, and he got no. I know, but
1: but the fact is, he he's sitting there in his in his you know in his driveway, and there, there's no way you can kind of help out Magic Johnson a little bit. Could couldn't help him out? Hey, LeBron, you got the What's the Wi-Fi so I can at least get on my phone a bit for a few minutes before I can come in and talk? To
2: would him? would be would be funny if he if he did ask for the Wi-Fi? Hey, this is <laughs> I just in the neighborhood. That's actually a really good lie. Why just stop by? Why just you need your Wi-Fi code? That's it. I was I was I was I was I was in the neighborhood. No, it's look the, the whole thing is interesting, and then you you look at the Bulls and they're still without Alex Caruso but uh what a what a fun team and what a what a decision by Billy Donovan to leave Oklahoma City and and I look I don't think they can compete at the top of the league but they're going to be a nuisance for somebody in the playoffs with they're just getting Zach Levine back you missed those last three games of, before the all-star break you know when you have you have Caruso and Ball, two tremendous defenders at the guard spots. You got Levine and DeRozan. You get anything from their interior play. Like that's a hard team to play against. Like, not a championship caliber team, but it's good to have the Bulls back and DeRozan, kind of proving the, you know, he's the anti analytics He's the mid-range jump shooter, but he's absolutely on a on a just a incredible pace right now.
1: And and he's thirty-two. Like, he's always been a good player. You know, remember he credited himself with the Raptors winning. Well, they had to trade me to get Kawhi. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of responsible for it. Uh, could he win the MVP this year? I mean, he, we, we talk about a lot of other players and, hey, Embiid's at the top. And now good luck with Harden there because Harden's going to get a lot of the credit. Could DeRozan win the MVP? Because he's had a season kind of unlike anybody else.
2: Could he? Yeah. Will he? Probably not, because, you know, he's not going to be able to he's not going to put up these numbers. I don't think consistently when you have Levine coming back and you also have guys like I mean, like, look, I don't know if Jokic can win it again. He probably should. But what happens is you win it once and sometimes they get that fatigue over over, you know, voting for you again. And we start, you know, we start we we start changing how we look at it. I mean, I I think Luca could win it based upon how he's played, but he was out of shape for the first, you know, two months of the season. So I, I don't know how you take that one. But um, could he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they if they continue on this and, and continue to win games, I mean, they're already at, I think, 39 wins, and their over-under for the start of the season was 41 and a half. So they far exceeded anyone's reasonable expectations, and he's a big part of the reason why.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, the Bulls being back is just a great story right you know we we don't talk about great stories as much because it's it's hard it's hard to be compelling about it because you know hey this guy's great okay and and what else well here's why he's great okay what else do we got well we're going to go on to something else we're going to talk about Tom Brady but the fact that you know if the look at the teams at the top of the east now the bulls the heat the sixers the bulls being this good is like it's like a a breath of fresh air that it, you know we, everybody likes the retro and, and and you know we had the we had the big uh, Michael Jordan documentary we had last Dance, and everybody is still talking about it. the memes are still out there for it, and the bulls haven 't really been that relevant in a long time but the fact they are is now and, and here they are at the top of the East and they should stay there the rest of the way and be a team in the East playoffs that wind up being one of, one of the last teams standing I mean, that, that's a huge level of interest and at least a team that you can flock to because they have exciting players and, and it's, it's the, the heritage part of the Bulls and you know Jordan's going to say some stuff and Scotty Pippen's going to say well the Bulls are good because it's my it, it, this is my doing and, and buy my bourbon so that, that, that's kind of the, the really fun part is that the Bulls stepping up is 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 the big breath of fresh air the NBA needs
2: just to cut through things a little bit no question about it um I I, look I I think they're good I think they're fun and you know I I do I I, and it, it does change some of the dynamic getting ready for the playoffs but to me it's more every it's one of those every shot he hits every game winner carrying this team with with because that's what they wanted What Russell Westbrook for is could you carry the team knowing that LeBron would, would miss a couple games, that Anthony Davis would miss a couple games. So,
1: And, and just to be clear, I think uh, LeBron's Wi-Fi would be King James, right? Would that be, would that be the Wi-Fi password? That would be it. <laughs> it could be, or just the King. It's just the King and, and, and type it right in.
2: Just the king.
0: (laughs) Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Fox Sports Radio, happy Friday. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. Got Bill Orem coming up, Lakers insider from The Athletic. LeBron versus the Lakers it just seems to get bigger and bigger every day. We, did you play, Doug, did you play the uh, Bulls versus Blazers and Bulls versus Lakers, the, you know, the, the big EA sports games when they first came out? Because I kind of it, feel like LeBron like, versus was,
2: Lakers should be a game too. It was Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs. Then it was Lakers versus Bulls in the NBA playoffs. Yes, I played those, say, played those uh, Sega Genesis games to death. I mean, how about the
1: Blazers had the title of a video game? I mean, just think about that now. The Blazers were in the title of a video game. Amazing. Uh, with us now on the hotline, as I mentioned, Bill Orem, Lakers insider from The Athletic. All right, Bill, just just how bad is LeBron versus the Lakers right now?
0: I mean, I, I thought we were going to talk about Blazers versus Bulls and, and Sega Genesis. Um, oh, we could. <laughs> we could, 100%. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of posturing going on, especially from LeBron's side. I don't know that I – I'm not convinced that LeBron James – you know, wants to burn it down. You know, I don't know that he, I'm not convinced that he is angling for a premature exit from the Lakers. I think that there is some, some cage rattling going on here where LeBron just sorts, sort of wants to recalibrate the power dynamic and remind the Lakers that even though he signed a four year contract when he initially signed here, that he uh, signed a contract extension, that he has every reason to play the rest of his days out in Los Angeles, um, that he doesn't have to. And it's not, a, it's not just a foregone conclusion and that. You know, if you want to have the, the the privilege of employing LeBron James, you can't waste that gift. And you know, if you're LeBron, you're 37 years old. You're playing as well as anybody ever has at that age, playing at an MVP level, uh, truly. And um, and you're not getting results. You're looking around and seeing that you've ba- you know basically had three losing seasons in four years, um, and that's just not good enough.
2: Uh, yeah, but. I mean, I I think that's what he's doing. He's leveraging the Lakers, right? But this whole, like, Bronny thing. Bill, I I saw Bronny play against Harvard-Westlake in the game they lost. He's a nice player. He scored four points. Like, he's (laughs) – what are we doing here? Like, this is – it's bad enough Dwayne Wade bought into the Utah Jazz so his son can play on their G League team, which stinks. But for Bronny to go like, I'm going to leverage my uh, an NBA team based upon my son who doesn't feel like he's going to be a pro in a couple of years. Right. He may end up being an NBA player, but not for a, it's going to take a little bit of time. Like I, I don't I, I don't understand that move. Uh, you know, I, I just don't.
0: Well, I mean, it it does. It does seem like it's one of those things. LeBron is trying to speak into existence, right? Like he does so many other other things. Um, And you know, I do think that there is, you know, validity to the idea that a team would, you know, take more of a a chance on Bronny if it meant there was a chance to get, you know, the the golden years out of LeBron. But um, I, I'm with you. We're also a couple of years away from this. Like, this is not something that is happening imminently. And and, and Bronny has a long way to go, both in terms of um, developing as a player and kind of figuring out his career path. You know, is he going to go to college for a year? Is he going to go through the G League path? Is he good enough to go the G League path? I mean, we're those, a lot of those guys who go the G League Ignite route are, are, you, know, are you know, bona fide first-round picks. Um, I mean, I guess that's one way LeBron could play with Bronny, right? Bronny play, and he could play with him sooner. Bronny plays in, for the G League Ignite in two years, and LeBron drops down and plays in the G League. I mean, he dominates dominate the G League. I'm being facetious in
1: case I wasn't there. <laughs> this to me looks like the, uh, the, the, the off-court version of a LeBron James heat check. Let's see how my let's see how re, how big my power really is that I can speak it into existence that I could play with Bronny because because I, I look at this bill as he's really trying to leverage the Cavs right now like eventually I want to go back home right I want to finish there I don't want to finish here so this whole thing in, in the in in the All Star weekend of hey I'm never closing the door I'm just a kid from Akron uh, I could see myself going back there and I want to play my last year with Bronny like I think that's him saying hey you have a couple of years we're gonna make this happen because that's how we're gonna finish me in Cleveland with Bronny, and that's what it's gonna be.
0: But I mean, are we convinced that the Cavaliers are gonna want LeBron? No, in a
2: year? They, so they don't. Want him. thirty-nine.
0: They're on a great path as it is. They've got five young core pieces who look like they can be a contender as it is. When you when you sign LeBron James, everything as we're see, as we're seeing becomes about LeBron James, and you know, and that works when you're the Lakers and you are completely moribund and you have. You have nothing going for you and you've missed the playoffs six straight years. I mean, the Cavs are an ascendant team in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, they are a contender right now, uh to say nothing of where they might be in, you know, 2 years when LeBron's a free agent. So, um or, or in a year when LeBron's a free agent. So, you know, it might be a lot of a lot of posturing for nothing. I mean, you know, it, 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 there 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 are teams that would absolutely, you know, sell a um an appendage to get LeBron at 38, 39 years old, because they don't have anything else going for him. Uh, that will not be the Cavaliers in
2: 2023 or 24. Bill, let, let, let's discuss the current state of the Lakers. And yes, that's a year and a half in the future, but part of it speaks to uh, the, the discontent with Rob Palenka, right? With, 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 with Rich Paul. I'm led to believe, and you're the insider, you know way more, I'm led to believe that a lot of this comes back from last year's trade deadline when they didn't go out and get Kyle Lowry. And the feeling is none of this would have ever been an issue had they just simply, you know, moved off of Taylor and Horton Tucker last year and gotten Kyle Lowry. Is it that or is it that the Lakers are pushing back because Westbrook was the choice when the Buddy Heald deal was already done?
0: Yeah, I mean listen, I think it's I think it's a little bit folly to say that, that Rob Polinka, you know, was overruled on the on the Russell Westbrook trade or something like that. I mean, Rob Polinka also wanted to trade for Russell Westbrook. Like he was also on board with that deal. You know, you would have, I I just remain completely unconvinced that Rob was simply doing LeBron's bidding. I think LeBron wanted I I had LeBron wanted that deal done, but it wasn't just Rob, you know, moving out of the way and letting Rich Paul um, you know, move the pieces around. So, um you know, Rob also wanted Russell Westbrook, but you're you're right. I mean, like the, the discontent, you know, it's it, it's it's a bigger it's it's been a longer runway than just this you know than just the trade deadline or just this season, because really the the one thing that Rob Palinka has done right, like you know, I mean, the one primary thing he's done right is you know push his chips all in and get Anthony Davis, and that led to a championship in 2020. You know, obviously they they put the right pieces around that team. In terms of big moves, you know, you you, you deconstruct that that championship team and build a team that doesn't get out of the first round. Now, granted, injuries played a huge role in that. Um, And then you you don't improve that team, you know, at the trade deadline when there was a real opportunity to go out and get a third, uh, real, you know, kind of killer, you know. I mean, in Kyle Lowry, the fact that that deal was even in place for the pieces that the Lakers would have had to uh, send to Toronto kind of remains baffling. I mean, they were going to get that deal done for Dennis Schroeder, who Left in free agency, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's underperformed, and Contavius Caldwell Pope, who they basically, you know, I think undervalued, but just threw in threw into the Russell Westbrook trade. So, um, you know that 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 remains probably one of the bigger blunders of of Palenka's, uh tenure. And you're right because of everything that it has led to. You know, you don't need to go out and get that third playmaker. You don't need to go out and get that third star. Um, you have a you know a gritty you know sort of um, culture sort of. Setting point guard in Kyle Lowry, who's going to do, who's going to be a great fit next to LeBron, is going to be great for Anthony Davis. And instead, you value you know twenty year old Taylor Horton Tucker when you have otherwise completely uh, not valued you know future assets at all. So it was totally antithetical to the way they have built their roster and sort of, you know, forged their identity as a front office. And it has to be sort of, you know, it has to, has to go back to the fact a little bit. I mean, that that is a clutch client, right? Like, you know, it, it gets framed a lot that that the Lakers chose Talon Horton Tucker over Alex Caruso. But part of the reason, you know, that they, you know, they valued Talon Horton Tucker so much was that they. Undervalued Alex Crusoe right? Like they 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 made Alex Crusoe an offer before they signed Taylor Horton Tucker. It was just a low-ball offer, and in large part that's because you know the powers that be, whether that's Rob Palinka, Kurt Rambis, and uh, and then also Rich Paul in their ear, are 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 saying, hey, we we, we can do just fine on the open market and, and replicate what Caruso does. Whether that's in part um, Kendrick Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Nunn, but also primarily Taylor Horton Tucker, who was getting you know was getting um, blown up a lot by by Rich Paul, and he just obviously hasn't been that guy yet.
1: Lakers insider Bill Oram with us here, Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb. So when, when we get to the end of the season, and there's been a lot of debate on the Lakers with with as far as what their future is with the big three. LeBron James, oh, maybe they should try to trade him. AD, maybe they should try to trade him. Russell Westbrook, oh, we got to trade him. What happens at the end of this? Are they all Are all three of them Lakers next year? Are two of them Lakers next year? Is one of them Lakers next year?
0: What is it? I think I think it's still LeBron and AD. am you know, I, you know how how they get rid of Russell Westbrook. I am not sure. Um, you know whether it's you know finding a trade partner. If it is, I, I don't think you I don't think you I don't think you can stretch that contract. I think you take the hit over one year if you if you end up keeping him. But I don't think Russell Westbrook is a is 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 on the team next year. He's certainly not playing member of the team next year. Uh, barring something really dramatic unfolding over these final 24 games, but you know the LeBron and Anthony Davis connection has been so good, um, and it did yield a championship. And I think you know you're kind of in this. This is kind of this is kind of the 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 way you have formed your team, and you you've had some bad injury luck, obviously, and that seems to follow Anthony Davis, and that is just a, a mammoth risk with him but you've seen it when they are healthy that they can you know that they can beat anybody especially when the, the the roster is built out smartly around them and i think that's probably your still your clearest path to a championship but if you don't trade Russell Westbrook or you know I, that really hinders your ability to build a roster around those two guys that can contend and if but you still have Anthony Davis under contract for 3 more years and i i don't think that you you pull a panic move and trade him um, just to get out of your, your Russell Westbrook uh, conundrum. So I, I think that this is still Anthony Davis and LeBron James next year, uh, but they're going to have to fight a way off of Russell Westbrook.
2: Uh, okay. So this, this year uh, and, and by the way, does Frank survive to next year? Like what has to happen for Frank to survive for, for next year?
0: Yeah, that's a tough, that's a much tougher one because you, remember he's only on, he's, 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 on, he has one year left on his contract and that was the, the, the one year extension the Lakers gave him in the offseason, sort of a backhanded compliment of, you know, thanks for the championship. Uh, you know, we don't want you to be a lame duck, uh, so here's here's a one year extension. Well, so now he's set up to be a lame duck again next year after, you know, two real you know, really discouraging years. Um, if I'm Frank Vogel, I'm not coming back next year without a multi year contract extension. And if I'm the Lakers, I mean, you honestly, rightly could say the results haven't been there for a multi-year contract extension uh, since the championship. So I don't know where that leaves them, and that is where we've seen a lot of coaches and and teams part ways. And you know, I know Frank loves being a, a, a Laker. I, he loves, you know, he, he's man. I think he's kind of navigated the the you know the the, the um, unorthodox front office, you know, pretty pretty savvily. Um, but I I do I do feel like this is kind of on the path toward a divorce just because it doesn't it doesn't i don't it doesn't seem like either side is going to get what they want when they sit down in the offseason
1: he's on twitter at bill oram that's at bill oram lakers insider for the athletic bill appreciate your time and uh, if i get that bulls versus lakers or bulls versus blazers game going on i'll I'll invite you because doug and i like to play games too so we'll we'll get we'll get a big uh uh tournament going
0: my mom donated mine. I found this out like three Thanksgivings ago. She took all the Genesis and Blazers versus Bulls to like Goodwill. You Dude, you know it. what you
1: could get for that on eBay? Yeah. I, could get I, don't, like, like I don't even want to dollars. Oh, my God. I'm looking up it right now. Bulls versus Blazers. Here it is. $9,000. There you go. That's oh, what you could have made.
0: Stop <laughs> it. Let me at least have coffee before you, before you tease me like this.
1: <laughs> Take it easy, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, yeah, guys. Right. With us now on the hotline, he's on Twitter at John Middlecoff. That is at John Middlecoff, former NFL scout with the Eagles, host of the Three and Out podcast on the volume sports. You hear him on the Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio, here all the time. All right, John, where are you? The most likely outcome for Aaron Rodgers of the three, le- most least likely outcome. What do you think it is?
3: Yeah, I would have said uh, before the season and midseason, even when it was going well. he was It was his last year in Green Bay, you know, goodbye, swan song, MVP, number one seed, and they lost, and you're like, ah. And the way he's kind of acted, it does feel like the chances of him going back are pretty strong. I disagree, Doug, that if he wanted out, like if he went NBA, like you have to trade me, I do think they would trade him. Just because his value is so sky high, what what are you going to do, you know, if he doesn't want to be there? But he's not giving off those vibes right now. You know, Russell Wilson kind of gives off those vibes but I'll give Aaron credit on this. Unlike Russell, Aaron, for the last 12 months, you know, maybe not 12 months, but since the season started, has been pretty open with where he stands and the way he's talked. And I watched Gudikin's press conference well, a couple of days ago. It does feel, and I think deserves a lot of credit on this. Their relationship is pretty good. We know how good the uh, the coach, how much Aaron likes LaFleur, but I think he Gudikins deserves a lot of credit for figuring out a way because – they don't teach you that in scout school. You you either have know how to deal with people or you don't. Uh, and especially Aaron, let's face it, it's a little different. But Gudikins, to me, deserves a lot of credit for just figuring out kissing his butts. Probably the wrong way to put it, but just you know, placating to him a little.
2: Well, I'm creating a relationship there. It, it, there has to be some. By the way, you working on a cold there, bud? Is that what's, yeah, what's the going head, on? Yeah, the, the, the cold is out of retirement. It's like Eric Weddle. It's back now. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I mean, you know, that's. One of the problems of playing golf every single day—that's like you're gonna at some point you're gonna run into weather. John Middlecoff, three and out, uh, former NFL scout, former assistant in college as well. Okay, so are you now of the camp that he's that he's staying, that he's gonna get a new contract?
3: Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty likely that he stays. I, I you know, I, I would have said it was like he's good as gone. Now I feel like fifty-fifty. It's either he goes to Denver or he stays in Green Bay. I mean, ultimately, from a football perspective, and I think the more he realizes this. They'll do whatever it takes, and they'll keep winning, and the division stinks. How would Green Bay not be a 12-win team next year? I mean, they're, they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. I, we, I, we can't just say that about Denver. Everyone's like, oh, he'll be so good in Denver. They haven't won in forever. They have a first-time head coach, and I know it's Aaron's guy, but you know you can win in Green Bay. Because if Aaron comes back, that means Devontae's coming back. They'll sign some contracts. They'll move some money around, and they'll add to the team. Are they really that close to being a
1: championship team? I and mean, we watched them with home field this year. They couldn't score against the Niners. They had a home playoff game last year. They didn't get enough done on offense. They still have a long ways to go. I mean, We, we have this image of, of of the Packers. Oh, boy, they're right there. But are they really right there?
3: Well, I think their problem is they're actually better suited to play on the road in the playoffs than at home yep. because, you know, in January, it's it's negative 10. And it's just freezing cold. And their best attribute is their quarterback and their wide receiver. And it's just... You know, if that game wasn't San Francisco or Levi Stadium in round two, it would have been much harder for the Niners to win that game. Now, obviously, the Niners would have been better on offense, but the Green Bay would have been dramatically better on offense. So the problem is going to be is they're always going to win that division. Now, do they have the best record? They have home field throughout. But to me, as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's a quarterback league. Now, is yeah. they have team have some flaws? But, you know, Ja Alexander missed the majority of the year. He's a really good player. The safety savage is good. Kenny Clark's good. If you can bring back some of those older pass rushers that are free agents, and you, as long as you got Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae
2: Adams, I mean that's that's pretty darn good, isn't it? Well, remember they they didn't have Bakhtiari I, either. I'm sure yeah. they'll I'm sure they'll restructure that new deal. They've always drafted well with offensive linemen, so they you know. And then the and, first, and then and AJ Dillon got hurt in that game as well. I mean part of the part of the running attack he's the he's the power to Aaron Jones. I think they're I think they're I I also thought Goodenkunst. He he framed it correctly. I don't know if you guys heard part of that press conference. He's like, "We're just as close as anybody," you know. We're, and and that I think is an accurate assessment, especially especially in the in the NFC. Um, oh, okay. Let, help, help me out. I was I was kind of explaining to Jason what I had heard about Biennemi in terms of as a head coach. But a story out today is he's back as a Kansas City offensive coordinator. This was very much in doubt. Why? What? What, what's going on there in Kansas City between Biennemi and, and Mahomes and the rest of that staff?
3: Well, there was an article uh, last week about Mahomes and his relationship, and it's not normal to have a situation where the guy signs a contract, you know, at the end of February, you know, especially with a team that's had that much success. So <clears throat> clearly they had some stuff to work out, and I would imagine, I don't, I don't have any inside information on this, that they had to just make sure everyone was on the same page. And I think that was the quarterback, him, and Coach Reed. And let's face it, Coach Reed is the boss on this one, so he must have felt comfortable with bringing him back. I mean, the media, I, I, you know, it has a different vibe. I mean, he's had 15 head coaching interviews, and he hasn't got a job, so you know, he's not some perfect candidate. And and he almost, like, let's call it spade a spade, he almost got fired in Kansas City. I, I don't know all the details of what happened, but that's where it was headed. You know, fired, not renewed, whatever, but not not retained. So, you know, he should be very, very thankful that whatever played itself out and that he's still there because it is an incredible job to have, right? I mean, you get Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it doesn't get much better.
1: Is, is it – is it part of the relationship? You know, Doug talked about how you know maybe Mahomes, you know, he wouldn't be his favorite guy. But if it was really that bad, they, they, they would have let him go. No, I mean if it was really, really that bad. They would said, okay, we're making a move, and 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 we're, you're not going to be the OC anymore.
3: Yeah, I mean ultimately, Kansas City's not like New England. You know, it's not like an angry place. So even if you have some quote unquote discomfort or people aren't on the same page, you know, you can talk your way through it. You know, I mean, I think that starts with Andy is it's, it's a very – it's not like the contentious nature of football. He has a unique feel for that. So even if you have some disagreements or guys aren't on the same page, he's pretty good at mending fences or getting everyone on the same page. Especially, I mean, they like Eric bien personally. You know, he's a good football coach. But clearly there was some uh, – there was a discontent. There was a gap between, I think, the quarterback and him. And you know clearly they have probably spent some time over the last couple months or since they lost that game figuring out how to get back on the same page and and they he Andy must feel that he has no problem with it moving forward or he would not have done this.
2: Uh, what do you think happens to Jimmy G?
3: I think mean, he gets traded. You know, it's just but, where, depend- but where? But where? Well, I mean, I think it depends on you know if Roger stays in Green Bay, that means Denver doesn't have a quarterback. They're going to need something. Pittsburgh. You know, does Deshaun Watson get traded? If he does in the next week, then a team will try to trade for Deshaun Watson probably before Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I would say Denver would be in play if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded. I'd say Pittsburgh would be in play if they don't get a quarterback. And I, I, I have a hard time seeing Donnie and Jimmy Garoppolo wanting to go to the Commanders. You know, what I mean, damn! I just I, I, I can't see that. So I mean, to me, De- to me, Denver and Pittsburgh would make a lot of sense. He can he has a no trade clause. So I mean it's it's not your 19 you know 91 Al Davis I'm going to trade you wherever the hell I want to trade you it's they're going to work together they've tr- you know it's it's a very healthy relationship so they're going to try to but ultimately someone's going to have to want them you know and I know Schefter said on the PFF podcast I think part of it is I bet Kyle is like I just don't want to give this guy away and I think the football guys are like well Kyle I mean we have 27 million dollars worth of cap space that we can use to build it around Trey Lance. Because Kyle, there's no way he would know for sure, like, I can go back to the playoffs with Trey Lance. Right now, he may feel a lot better about that after OTAs. But for the last four months, once the season started, besides two games that Trey Lance started, Kyle, you're not developing guys during NFL season, especially when your head coach is the offensive coordinator. You're just focused on, you know, the game planning and trying to score points that week. So Kyle will really get to put his hands on Trey Lance. You know, starting in OTAs, and I, I bet right now he's probably, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's not bullish on his career, but ultimately in 2022, like he wants to compete for the Super Bowl, and uh, I could see where Kyle like has to be, I don't know, talked into it, but like the best we can get is a fifth round pick. I could see Kyle be like, screw that, what's a fifth round pick do for us? Now if they get a third round pick, which ultimately, let's face it, quarterback inflation, they'll probably end up getting. I, I think you have to do it.
1: Now you just you mentioned Deshaun Watson in there, and and we had the the report a day ago that teams could potentially be interested in him as long as the criminal aspect of his case is, is solved by the beginning of April. Obviously, the civil aspect is going to take a long time. Are teams really in on Deshaun Watson? Like like, hey, we're we're monitoring this and we're going to pounce on him. Are, are they really thinking he's like option A for us right now? Yeah, I mean, I,
3: I've said for him until everything was put together. You know, he's heard multiple teams are ready to trade for him, you know, potentially at, you know, the combine, league op, before the league year starts to have a deal in place uh, without those being figured out. So, you know, we can stay what we would do, but ultimately we have a long history of pro sports in these situations, basketball, football, and baseball, when guys of his talent, uh, you know, especially the power of a quarterback that I, I, yeah, I expect him to get traded at this point. You know, I I really do. He's just... Now, I think you could go also on the other side, like if you're the Texans, you're, if, if it's not figured out, are you getting maximum value? Would it, be, would it behoove you to wait a little bit to see if they do go away to get that extra you know, first-round pick? If someone's only going to give you two ones and two twos right now just because of the uncertainty of his legal situation? Uh, I just think there are so many variables in this. It makes
2: it very, very complicated. Yeah, because I would think, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong here. The team that makes a lot of sense if the off the field didn't wasn't there would be the Steelers. Apparently, you know, there's a there's a mutual ap- appreciation with him and Flores. I, I'm, everybody thinks Mike Tomlin would be awesome to play for. They need a quarterback. He kind of has some Big Ben, you know, better better version athletically of Big Ben, but in terms of holding the ball a little bit too long, like they've they've lived with that for a, for a long time. Um, and you have a new GM who would love to break out of the this is how Pittsburgh's always done it sort of syndrome. The problem is I just don't know how that works with the off-the-field stuff, especially in a place like Pittsburgh.
3: You you would think Denver would be, if they don't get Rogers, would be very, very involved. I, I also think the curveball in this whole situation is Mr. Twitter, uh, Russell Wilson, you know, is, does he have the stones to just demand a trade? Like, here's what I will say about Rodgers. If Rodgers wants out, he's going to tell him he wants out. Feels like Russell's, like, sitting on the fence. Like, you know, I kind of want to go, but I kind of want to play here because he hates thinking about people hating him and all this equity is built up in Seattle. He doesn't want to totally ruin that. And if you ask for a trade, like, ultimately fans are going to be mad. But, you know, eventually, if he wants out, he's going to have to tell him because under no circumstances are they going to trade him. But. If he demands a trade, you know, you could just you could argue that, you know, they bought low, they got ten years out of him. Now, I don't know if I would do this, but I, I would understand if you could get, you know, Howie Roseman to give you four first round picks for him, that maybe it's just time to reset the franchise and get a guy that doesn't really want to be there or out of there. But uh, you just you know, I, I feel he's very hesitant to put himself out on a limb and ask for what he actually
2: wants. J- J- Jason, excuse me for one sec. Uh, see, I, I think, I agree with you, but I think if we compare Seattle and Green Bay, right, the difference is, as you pointed out, Green Bay is right there, right there in any discussion, and they're far and away the best team in that division, whereas Seattle, not close to being right there, and... You know, even with all the flaws of Arizona, Arizona won 10 games this year. was in the playoffs. The Rams won the Super Bowl. San Francisco almost went to an, and won the Super Bowl. Like, I, I know that people don't judge their current situation based upon their division. Most quarterbacks don't. They, they're, those guys think they're good enough that if I'm healthy, we're going to be fine. But the reality is Seattle as a franchise should consider it more than Green Bay should ever consider it because of where they stand in their division and where they stand talent-wise. The
3: one thing I think, if I was John Schneider, where I'd push back, I'd go, "Well, we went three and three in our division. We swept San Francisco. We beat the living, you know what, out of Arizona week 18 when they had to win to win the division. We killed them. When you know we lost some games when Russell missed with his messed up finger. You know Rashad Penny at the end of the year. I think he was the leading rusher in December. Now that was a short sample size, but so if we get a running game, we got some receivers. Now the defense. I mean, we got a new defensive staff." And it's never going to be what it once was. But if Russell is playing at a Pro Bowl level, we can compete because we can hang with everyone in the division. And we can. Their problem always is they lose these games to, like, the Lions and, and like, the Jags. Like, they, they lose random games. Actually, to me, they play pretty well in the division. But, uh, you know, overall, yeah. Are they uh, talent-wise, top to bottom, as good as some of these other teams in the playoffs? Probably not. And they just don't have the wiggle room because they don't have the picks. And cap-wise, they're kind of screwed up. Um, but to me, if Russell Wilson is playing at an elite level, I mean, I, I've just seen them so many times live over the years playing the Niners, and I watch so much NFC West football. I always take them seriously if if Russell's humming.
1: He's on Twitter at John Middlecoff. That is at John Middlecoff, host of the Three and Out podcast on volume sports. John, as always, thanks for taking your time with us here on Fox. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Enjoy, Phil. See you. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: Hello, welcome inside hour two of the Dan Patrick Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes Today. And, uh, you know, news I want to share with you right now, Doug Gottlieb has been cast in the new Tom Brady movie as Sally Field's love interest or Jane Fonda's love interest. I forget.
2: Who was it? Sally Field. Definitely Sally Field. Okay. Uh, Because she was Frog in Smoking the Bandit. That's my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) Right? I didn't know that. Smoking the Bandit's your favorite movie? I didn't know that. Heck yeah. First thing I'm going to do. First thing I'm. I mean, think about the lines in that movie that would never be allowed today. First oh, thing yeah. I'm going to do when I get home is punch your mama in the mouth. Right? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, we're going to have to cut. Mr. Gleason, we're going to have to cut that one from the script. Uh, Everything
1: he said would have had to been cut from the
2: script yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh boy uh, So uh, we got uh, Bill Orham coming up in about 20 minutes Lakers insider with the Athletic Got a lot of NBA to get to We'll get to James Harden's debut coming up in a few minutes But uh, the biggest NFL headline The last 24 hours Outside of Aaron Rodgers waiting for a decision Right, Deanna Rossini reporting oh, Aaron Rodgers decision is coming soon Like that's news? Really? I could have done that I could have put that on Twitter The decision is coming soon uh, Eric Bieniemy will return as the Chiefs offensive coordinator for the 2022 season. Uh, this news first reported by NFL Network. He's coming back on a one-year contract. Uh, this is some kind of journey for a guy who for a while was the it guy, at least on social media, from fans and people around the league. Hey, this guy's going to be a head coach one day in the NFL. It hasn't happened. Got to the point this offseason that maybe Bieniemy wasn't even going to come back with the Chiefs. However, met with Andy Reid, and he's going to stay on as the Chiefs O.C. He had considered coaching in college, listening to other offers, potentially taking a year off. But he's going to come back one year deal with the Chiefs as the O.C. And, you know, as far as B enemy goes, Doug, this is where I would like the next great investigative journalistic story to take us like let, let's get the Don Van Natas or the you know the people who did money uh, who did the Balco stuff let's get him into why Eric Biennemi not a head coach right because there's so much mystery swirling around why he's not there he doesn't interview very well after 12 interviews he doesn't interview very well anymore like what's the why is he not a head coach because every time head coaches get hired and we point to the inequality of, of black coaches not getting the head coaching opportunities we point to Eric Bienemy and, and it's Bienemy He's the offensive coordinator. Oh, does he call the plays? He doesn't call the plays. I really would like to see, cause that would really help. That's like an investigative report that would help say, okay, this is why it sits where it does for Eric B
2: Okay. Well, I'll give you a couple things. Uh, first thing is I, I, no one, no one actually does know what his level of input is, what his level of effectiveness is. And there've been many people that have, yeah, he has many stories that come out that whether it's Mahomes. uh, you know or other coaches but Mahomes like doesn't have a great working relationship with him I mean here's like this is all you need to know it's not about the interviewing shouldn't necessarily tell the story because it's hard to get ahead first of all it's hard to get a head coaching job like I I hope people understand like they're not just giving to people um what's why am I blanking he just got fired for the Denver Broncos he's a he was a terrific defensive coordinator oh, Vic Fangio. with the Bears. Vic Fangio. Big Fangio. Big Fangio was an assistant for 35 years before he got a head coaching job and a really good defense coordinator. Now, one of the reasons is there have been people that have crossed paths with Fangio is like, you know, he's not really a collaborator. He's a great coach, but when you lead a team, it's about being a little bit of a collaborator. Anyway, Ryan Poles is with the Kansas City Chiefs, he gets the general managerial job with the Chicago Bears, and usually you take somebody with you, okay, to, to win, especially for that first job. You want somebody you've worked with before, somebody you've a relationship with, you know, somebody who thinks along the same s- say, same thoughts that you do, and instead, Poles got, uh, hires Matt Eberflus. Aber- now, Bill Polian had a, was kind of an overseer into the job. That's why Poles was selected, and Eberflus is a guy that everybody swore by, but Look at what happened with the Giants, right? You have uh, Brian Dable was the guy who who fixed Josh Allen. Bill Shane gets the job as the general manager. They both come together from Buffalo. So for the rest of the league, it, it tells you all you need to know that if Eric Bienemy was such a hot candidate and was so desirable, wouldn't a guy who worked with him every day for the past couple of years, wouldn't that be his first thought, his first hire, his first interview? And the answer is No. The second thing is in regards to what when people say he's a bad interviewer, they're not saying he's a bad guy or that he's mentally or emotionally incompetent. It's that if and again, this is from actual people who have actually interviewed the enemy. He he's not going to coach in college. Okay, there's too much baggage from when he was on the staff at CU. They couldn't even interview. They couldn't really bring him in, despite the fact he was a great player there. Okay, so. College is a completely different animal, and I I don't see that being a landing place for him. And when when it came out that he might do college or he might take a year off, th- that that is not a good sign. Okay. Second thing is keep in mind it's not like he has some slum job. Offensive coordinator pays seven figures. Okay, and he's got two of the most talented weapons with one of the most talented quarterbacks. And Andy Reid has been a kingmaker for years. But the questions about how well they get along are, but. The big thing is when he's interviewed, there just hasn't been any meat, anything, any there, there. Like these guys, that go in for interviews. you you got to gotta really invest in the process. And who, who do you like? Who do we have? How do you want to change? What is the plan? Who would you hire? Who would you draft? Who would your free agents be? Like it's an all-encompassing instead of what I was told was a very, very bland look at what it would be like. And I talked to three people who have interviewed him for three different jobs, and they've all said similar to the same thing. I I came in not knowing if I would like him or love him or whatever, if he could... And I liked him a lot more than I probably thought I would have. It wasn't about personality, but one, no one's able to identify exactly what he does in Kansas City. But not calling plays does not mean you can't be a head coach. Nobody actually cares, right? It's can you... Make everybody work together. Do you have a vision and a plan? But the big thing that was missing is some sort of substance to the plan, to the vision, who he'd hire, how he'd play, what our team would look like, where you could close your eyes and just feel it, taste it, sense it. And they all said kind of the same thing, like n- not, not really comparable to some of the other guys that we, we interviewed. That's it.
1: See, I, I can't help but think there's something we're not being told. Because just take, let me take two of the points you just brought up right there. First, the interviews. I can get that that maybe the first two or three interviews that, all right, maybe Eric Biennemi didn't really wow, and I got to go back and figure out, okay, what do I need to do to interview? Because you would think somebody, I want to be a head coach. Boy, I've heard my interviews aren't good. So aren't you going to work on them? And the guys, I think, had about 15 interviews to be a head coach. So I got to think by now, if the guy really wants to be a head coach, he understands what he has to do in an interview to, to wow people. I mean, just like anybody else. When I, was, when I was younger, going out for my first jobs, and, you know, I, I, all right, how do I what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to come across as, as as ready to take on the world? Am I supposed to come across as being cool and detached? Like, how, how do I do it? And, you know, if there's a way to figure out just being yourself in the interview. So I got to think after, you know, seven or eight, like the last five or six had to go somewhat smoothly. But the other part is that if it was so bad and, and, and there's red flags for the enemy, why is he back again? If it was so bad with Mahomes, if he doesn't get along with Mahomes and all these things are happening and the offense is having issues in the playoffs, why is he back for another year as the OC? I, I don't think Andy Reid's going to, well, I really got to help him out, and he's just going to sit around and not do anything. I'm going to get him paid for a year. I, I, I got to think there's something else going on. We're, we're, we're not being told about why he's not there. And, and the whole thing with Enemy is kind of shrouded in mystery. You would think at some point, as, as you said, you'd be able for teams to know, okay, what's Eric Biennemi's role with the team? What actually happened? You can, you can probably figure that out at some point if you do enough digging. How involved is he with the game plan? How involved is he not? But in the end, guys like Joe Judge get opportunity. Who are special teams coaches? And all right, we—he doesn't call offensive plays, defensive plays. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to hire him. So I, I just can't help but think that boy, there's there's just still too much mystery around the story. Where now there should be more meat on the bone here, where we should know. Okay, this is why so and so is not getting the opportunity that he is.
2: You, you don't you don't do that. No, nobody nobody does that. And 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 honestly, people don't want to know the truth. But but you don't. I, I'm I just. I I think that Ryan Poles not taking him with him tells you what you need to tells you what you need to know. It just does. It just says not not a dude. You know, it's just, people people tell you with their actions. They don't have to tell you with their words. And and if that gets out, everybody gets eviscerated. If you say that he's not, you know he you know he doesn't he doesn't give substance. Then there's going to be a racial connotation to it. There's not. It's just not. I, I'm sure there are lots of people who have interviewed him and wanted to hire Eric B. Enemy. But, you know, like this this has been my, my pushback with people who call it. It's like, yes, why Joe Judge? Well, because because John Mara worships the ground that Bill Belichick walks on. And when Bill Belichick says Joe Judge is a head coach, he's he's a John Harbaugh type and a, a special teams coach that can motivate the whole team. Then John Mar, that's and it's the same reason that John Merrow wanted to interview Brian Flores, you know. Plus, he's a Boston College guy, and Brian Flores is a Boston College guy, and he was intrigued by him and might have wanted to hire him, but he hired a general manager that had a different plan. So I think there's a lot that goes into uh, wh- who gets a head coaching job. A lot of times, it's you got to be from the same kind of football family and have a relationship there. And what's happened with guys who have had relationships with the Chiefs and with that organization, they have not hired him. And so that's kind of – it feels like a warning sign to the rest of the league. I don't think you're ever going to get the, this is why he's not – I'm telling you why. I'm telling you the exact reason why. I'm telling you why he didn't get a couple of the jobs. It was that in comparison to who they hired and who became a finalist, it wasn't close in terms of the vision for the team. That's it. it it's just – that you interview this has been my argument with the, the that's why the Rooney rule uh, again in theory is a is a really smart rule it's to get more people of that are not of your circle in front of general managers in front of it's it's one of they also have a minority coaching position again get more people of color in front of decision makers where it's not just for the decision makers to create a relationship. That's part of it, but also so that everybody gets you've interviewed before you can get feedback. What do I need to do better? And the feedback has been that just, it's, it's not good, not substantive enough. They they don't, they don't believe in your vision or think that it's thorough enough and has what, what they want as a fit. This is my, if, these are billion, billion dollar companies, right? Like we would all agree, they're all worth uh, two, billion, uh, two billion and up, right? If the Bengals are the least valuable. They're going to be worth two billion, and that's the minimum. The Cowboys, it's at least five, if not six, if not seven. These are billion dollar corporations. If you think for one second that anything matters more than winning to somebody who's, because if you're a general manager or you're uh, president of football operations, your career revolves around one thing. Does the head coach that I hire, is he going to win me football games? Because if he wins, then I get paid, and I get to keep my job, and I don't have to move my family, and I don't have, we don't have to change schools. Nothing changes. We just make more money, and we stay longer. That's all we want. And the owners, all they want is to make money. And they make money by winning games. That's it. So if you think at any time they go, well, you know, we could win more with this guy, but he's black, so we're going to... Win more with this guy? No, it's not. Okay, it's a copycat league where right now the hot coaches are the young uh, Kyle Shanahan's, the young Sean McVay's. Right? That that's that's how it is. Or you're a quarterback whisperer and you tie yourself to a quarterback. And I, I understand that the previous head coach Matt Nagy was a Kansas City guy who worked with quarterbacks who was supposed to who's supposed to fix Mitchell Trubisky and then you know, couldn't fix when they when they go and they draft a, a star quarterback. But if Ryan Poles thought the answer to the quarterback problems with the Chicago Bears resided in Eric Bieniemy because of his work with Pat Mahomes, he'd be the head coach of the Chicago Bears right now. He's not. It tells you all you need to know. Well, and you talk about winning. Sometimes you
1: got to lose if you want to keep your job too, right? Sometimes sometimes you got to lose games. You mentioned Brian Flores. Got to lose games. You want to keep your job. You want to stay around here. Got to lose. Got to lose. Got to tank. Got to get that. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. Uh, We'll have more on the NFL coming up later on this hour. Uh, A lot of big stuff going on today.